and we're going to bring you that entire interview on this week's episode of the beer cast brought to you by freehouse beer it is patio season get downtown and go to the freehouse and enjoy their amazing food and amazing beer and thank them for sponsoring the minnesota beer cast let's get right into this week's episode schmitty interviewing the folks from maui brewing all right welcome to the minnesota beer cast uh schmitty here hanging out solo drew is uh, on assignment actually i'm the one on assignment here at the happy gnome uh, we've got Emily from the Happy Gnome, uh, Mark from Artisan, and Garrett from Maui Brewing. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing well. Fantastic. Aloha. So, uh, right? Aloha. Aloha. We have to get, uh, have to get Hawaiian <laughs> themed for yeah. this interview. So we, uh, welcome to the state. Welcome to Minnesota, Garrett. Thank you. It's uh, my first time here. I've been having a great time though so far, so I can definitely see myself coming back. You uh, you picked a good time. Uh, it's better to, to launch your beer in, in June than it is in January. That's what I've been told. <laughs> I've been told. I'm not a uh, cold weather guy much, so I, I try to avoid the extremes. So, <laughs> so tell us a, a little about uh, Maui. Uh, you know, if, if I'm, you know, a guy who doesn't know or hasn't heard or, you know, is a casual beer fan, I probably haven't learned a whole lot about Maui. What is your, give us your elevator speech. Sure. Uh, well, Maui Brewing Company started with a really simple idea, and it was to produce a authentic Hawaiian craft beer. That means truly made in Maui, um, but not only be local, be great, and use local ingredients wherever possible to influence the style of beer. Uh, so, for example, we were the first brewery ever to brew a coconut porter you know, using hand-toasted coconut. We also were the first to brew a pineapple beer in the pineapple manawi. You know, both those beers, of course, are available here. Um, and we just continued to evolve using those local agricultural items to influence traditional styles of beer. Very nice. You guys are, are I guess, getting pretty, pretty large these days in terms of like, craft beer. I mean, you're not... Nation, nationwide, but you're what, 23, 24 mm-hmm. states nowadays? Yeah, so uh, we're in 23 states. Uh, you know, we sell the overwhelming majority of our beer in Hawaii, uh, about 82% of our beer in Hawaii. Uh, but it's really interesting that Minnesota is actually our second largest market <laughs> in the mainland. So it goes Southern California or California, and then Minnesota. And uh, I, I don't know whether that's the fact that spam is made here or, <laughs> or so many, uh, you know, people from Minnesota escape the cold to come visit Hawaii. Uh, you know, but we're really proud of that connection, and, and certainly honored to uh, to celebrate that today. It is a huge love of, of spam uh, in Hawaii, right? What's the? I mean, what's the how? What's the history behind that relationship? You know, I'm I'm not. A, I'm not up on the history 100%, but I know it had to do in the war and uh, yeah, it was military, right? And uh, I mean, you know, canned meat, you know, right. it lasted longer. A long time. <laughs> and you know, I mean, it's salty and greasy, so there's a lot of flavor, a lot of you know, a, a lot of fat that helps you, you know, sustain your energy. So, right. um, you know, Chef did a fantastic uh, dish with the uh, the spicy spam on skewers and fried rice. It was it was awesome, and I haven't had spam in a while, so that was pretty pretty great to have. Yeah, he mentioned Chef. We're, we're happy enough to be here at the, the Happy Gnome, uh, tossing back a few beverages and, and talking about Maui Brewing. Of course, Emily, you, you're here at the Happy Gnome. I think you live here now, right? Yeah, yeah. My uh, apartment's just here on the <laughs> other side of that wall and up in the event space here. But yeah, me and my uh, my husband, Scott Brink, we, we run uh, run the Happy Gnome these days. And it's uh, it's fun to, to do events like this where you can kind of pair and uh, kind of make it a little more interesting and, and try some new culinary things that we we uh, 
you know, get to explore and try new things. It's fun for us. Yeah, yeah. for this event, I mean, Scott made some really fantastic stuff. I had the uh, the pulled pork. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, a little pineapple salsa on that. Yeah. Yeah. I paired it with the uh, the coconut porter, which maybe is not the suggested pairing, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not going to let that stop in my way. I wanted, sure. to, no. wanted to have the, the porter. The Imperial coconut porter will not last long. Last time we poured it, when, uh, when Pete was here, it lasted three days, so. Um, I had one, too. And <laughs> <laughs> It went down really good. It was, it was like perfect time. But yeah, that pork, like I said, was some of the best pork I've had. And, you know, I've I've definitely even in Hawaii. You know, I would compare it to pork I've had back home. So it was re really tasty. That's so, awesome. He'll love yeah, to fantastic. hear that. Fantastic. So Maui's been around since 2005. How did you guys get your your start? Uh, like I said, it started with that simple idea of making authentic local craft beer. But the Interestingly enough, the catalyst for me having the idea to start a brewery in Maui, uh, I was growing up, born in San Diego, grew up there, I uh, was living in San Francisco, went on my first vacation to Hawaii in 2001, and over the course of a couple of years, I learned that the, quote, local beer that I was drinking in Hawaii was actually made in Portland, Oregon, not <laughs> in Hawaii. And so growing up in San Diego, you've got, you know, Pizza Port, you've got um, you know, Stone, oh, yeah. you've oh, got, yeah. you know, Carl Strauss, kinds, you've got yeah. all kinds of great beers. In, even this is back in the you know early 90s, uh, mid 90s I should say, and so being in Hawaii drinking local, I'm thinking it's got to come from at least one of the islands. And learning that it came from the big island, like literally <laughs> the mainland, <laughs> I was the like biggest the biggest island. of all the islands. I was like, oh, how does it come from Portland when I live in San Francisco, but I'm vacationing in Maui? So I saw that as a, a really big uh, disservice to the community uh, because of course craft beer is about community. It's a sense of place, right? So when I saw that it just was this light bulb that went off and I had to homebrew twice uh, I got in trouble when I was 16 for homebrewing because I couldn't buy beer and my mom came home and it had ended up like it, my uh, my fermentation bag I was doing the beer in a bag yeah. that time it spread all over the kitchen floor so she walks in there's beer you know on the floor of this kitchen and I'm just like I'm so, so busted did you get in trouble for making beer or for making a best mess making beer it was more the mess definitely <laughs> uh, but also the making beer without telling her. Right. I should have just been honest. Apparently, that would get yeah, you out of trouble right. if you're just honest. <laughs> you buy brains at yeah. any then age. she could have yeah. shut it down totally. yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. She would have shut it down, I think. But, you know, I had uh, my stepdad and my grandpa were had a huge love for beer uh, you know we used to go to Trader Joe's and look at all the different beers that were available and you know imports especially right. um, I digress but you know th taking that love of beer and applying it to the fact that I fell in love with Maui from a vacation standpoint I was like this is where I want to be when I retire I was like why don't we make beer, like actually make the beer in Hawaii as opposed to ship it in like mm -hmm. what was, again, the local beer. Um, you know, back then you had two types of beer. You had local beer and you had domestic. That was it. There was no mention of craft. Right. Uh, even things like Deschutes and Sierra, those were considered micro, not Right, you don't hear of micro, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we were the first, I think, in 2008, actually, to use the word craft beer when we launched our cans, actually, late 2007. Um, but it, it literally was it's that simple thing. It was is we want to create an authentic local alternative to you know fake Hawaiian beer. And uh, you know I was at a festival earlier today that you know obviously clearly only supports Budweiser brands, but you can get Kona because it's coming out of Tennessee or New Hampshire for yep. this market. So uh, certainly not Hawaii. Nice. Well, you guys are known for I guess your your pubs around the the islands. Is that how we call it? Are they the islands when we talk about Hawaii? Or is it just 
on Hawaii. Yeah, you know, so Hawaii uh, is both an island as well as the name for the state. So yeah. the big island, as we affectionately call it, uh, is Hawaii Island. Um, but yeah, our restaurants go around the state, around the islands. We have two on Maui. And then we have one open right now in Oahu and Waikiki. We're opening our second one in Kailua. Uh, should open in September, maybe October. Okay. I'm planning a vacation, so maybe I'll plan it for maybe October just to be safe, sure. make sure that it's open. Yeah, if you're going to Oahu, then yeah, you'll at least by that point have if, if you do October, you'll have two all two two spots to visit for sure. So obviously, the the idea of, of a craft local beer in Hawaii has been pretty well embraced. If you're you know expanding into 23 states, you've got been there since 2005, and you're opening up another pub now. So sure. has has the uh, the reception been the same here in Minnesota, Emily? At least as far as your experience here at the Nome. Oh yeah, they. Um, I was just telling Garrett that the first time we did a tap takeover when we did the launch, it was the people came out of the woodwork and they all had their Maui gear and a story that connected them to Maui, you know, and that, I thought that, or Hawaii, and I thought that was really cool, because, you know, when you have those memories or that time, it's like when you listen to that album that you listened to in high school, and it brings you back to that time, you drink that beer, that brings you back to that moment where, you know, you had your honeymoon, you had your vacation, or you had this great beer experience, and I think that there's something to that, um, to that nostalgia piece and then I also think you know we as Minnesotans just appreciate good liquid and so the thing those two come together with this brand quite well and it's been received received very positively yeah. I totally agree with you on the on the idea of the the reminiscence when when you're enjoying you know a good beer or you know it's like it's like when you smell cookies being baked right it's yeah. like oh man I'm the mom yeah, yeah. <laughs> great right you get to get a, get to lick the spoon right yeah, <laughs> yeah totally no it's, I, I like that it's, it's it's you know inherently attached to that brand and of course it being delicious doesn't uh, doesn't hurt at all right yeah I mean they use like you said you know those agricultural ingredients those fresh pineapple toasted coconut I mean those are all things that are gonna that are gonna manifest those experiences and, and bring you in that moment and it's cold Absolutely. here a lot yeah. of the year yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if you could bring me back to that moment like like you said you don't know why Minnesota is maybe one of your bigger markets it is cold a lot yeah. of the <laughs> year there's no yeah. we 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 can uh, drink beer um, and analyze it to death or whatever but it's we we got to do something sure well Pete uh, <laughs> Pete our national sales manager um, you know he's, he's one of the greatest guys you ever meet and uh, he says that uh, you know with the cans he says we bring you back to Maui 12 ounces at a time and <laughs> You know, there, it's it can be cliche because it's it's funny, but it's true. I mean, if you're sitting there drinking a pineapple mono wheat in the dead of winter, and you've either been to Hawaii or you've looked at it on the internet, you can literally close your eyes and transport yourself back to that moment, just like when mom made those cookies, right? right? Like, you, you remember that, or a song that plays, you remember that moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I steal the line from Pete, but it's absolutely true. We bring it back to Maui 12 ounces at a time. Today, you know, in pints, most of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with more Minnesota Beer Cast right after this. Selling your home? Why pay a big fat commission to list on MLS when you don't have to? Home Avenue can list your home on the MLS for as little as $3.99 flat fee. You'll receive all the same exposure and marketing, including sites like Zillow and Realtor.com. Sell for sale by owner or with one of Home Avenue's experienced realtors. 
Either way, you'll save thousands in unnecessary commissions. Mm, Rosé? <laughs> it's patio season. So go see the gang at the Freehouse. In the North Loop or at FreehouseMPLS.com. On a warm, sunny Minnesota day, what's better than a nice, cold cocktail? Ten cocktails. Visit TwinCitiesCocktailClub.com and get your exclusive membership to the Twin Cities Cocktail Club and receive a membership valued at over $100 for just $20. And more importantly, get ten cocktails to some of the best establishments in town. You'll get to try craft cocktails from Copperwind Distillery. Do Nordcraft Spirit. Ability, right? Absolutely. Uh, it was a, a founding principle of ours to um, try to do more with less. Uh, sometimes out of necessity because we were broke starting out. <laughs> um, but you know, as we grew and, and had the ability to invest more in sustainability initiatives, uh, it, it just deepened as a, a principle for us. So we're proud that by uh, the first quarter of next year, we'll be grid independent. Wow. Uh, so in a partnership with the grid utility, uh, we won't use grid energy. Uh, we will still be tied so that in the event of an emergency, the grid can actually call on us for power. Mm-hmm. Uh, we That's can also cool. receive power from them into our battery storage to then send it back out so we can increase the amount of green energy from the wind farm. Instead of dumping it, we can store it for them and then send it back to the grid when necessary. Uh, but we're putting in a, just under 1.2 megawatts of PV, uh, as well as 3.5 megawatt hours of Tesla power packs. And that's backed up by two 300 kW uh, biodiesel generators. So even our generators are going to use cooking oil from Maui huh. as opposed to fossil fuels. So we will not that's use amazing. fossil fuel there. Uh, thank you. Uh, and then the, the last part of that, well, not even the last, but... We're using solar thermal to heat our water, uh-huh. uh, and then it's. It, I don't fully understand how it works, and I have researched this many times, and they've explained <laughs> it to me. But I call it voodoo. <laughs> That's all that makes sense. But you can actually make cold water from solar thermal. So, like the solar heat can make cold. And it's, I know it's like pressure differentials and uh, adsorption chiller, I believe it is, uh, but we'll be able to get 40 degree chill water and we, we need like, you know, 36 to 38 degree water, but 40 takes most of the energy out, yeah. you know, and that'll come from the solar energy, not the PV side, but the actual thermal uh, to be able to feed our chiller with uh, pre-cooled glycol. Uh, and then uh, we're using a CO2 recovery system, first of its kind in craft. Uh, a containerized solution to capture all of the CO2 off of fermentation oh, instead wow. of venting to yeah. atmosphere. Uh, we will actually capture all that CO2, clean it, pressurize it into liquid, compress it, and then use that as our source of CO2. So we'll huh. be producing our own CO2 uh, on site like as well. Everybody should be doing that. I know it's like you gotta. <laughs> yeah. yeah why you're just letting it out into the world, and then you <laughs> yeah, gotta sure. get more. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, in its first year of operation, we'll offset about 1.2 million pounds of CO2. You know, and. Wow. I'd be lying if I didn't say it was also a fiscal thing for us because we spend in Hawaii about 10 times the national average for CO2 mm-hmm. uh, compared to what Hawaii sure. pays. So that was going to be kind of my next question or how, how you know, your, your mission to be sustainable and, and to use solar and to recapture, you know, those different energy sources and to be harmonious with the environment. How does that impact the, the fiscal goals of, of the brewery? So it, uh, it, it, it contributes directly to bottom line for us. Uh, you know, there's, I, you know, I would never want to mask our goals in that we're uh, we're doing it only for good reasons, uh, sustainability-wise, or for marketing, etc. We're we're also doing it for the financial health of the company, but. You know, my role as founder and CEO, my job is to create a solid place uh, to work, a positive work environment, but also one that will last 
in perpetuity because I've got to pay paychecks. And there are families that depend on me to keep my company alive because they work there. So I have to create the most solid foundation I can for my team. Because my team is really, really what makes Maui Brewing Company great. I get to be out here doing interviews and be in the face <laughs> of the company. They're back home doing the really hard work. So by us creating this foundation where we take all of our electricity costs and control those now, all of our CO2 costs and control those, uh, cut our, our propane gas usage for, for heating in half, all of those savings just create a more solid base so that our team always knows those paychecks are going to cash no matter what is happening in the beer world. Uh, we can project in perpetuity what our energy costs are going to be because we control them. Uh, so it is a big part of it. We love the sustainability part from the environment, but it's absolutely in, imperative for us to take a, a, a real look at how it impacts the company long term. That's cool. I love that, that, you know, two different sides of the coin there, but they're both benefiting each other. So I think that's yeah. that's yeah. a really cool relationship. Well, well the responsibility of those livelihoods, like it's it's nice to hear someone who, who owns a big company or, you know, a larger company who, who speaks in those terms. Like, I feel like sometimes that gets lost and that's sad, you know, because sure. those are, you know, it's built on the backs of those people, essentially. And Absolutely. That, you know, you have, uh, it's nice to hear you say, th think of it in that, in that regard. Well, thank you. It's, uh, you know, I could say in the early years, my wife, Melanie, and I, we certainly, we ran at every position. Not, neither one of, we've all, both of us have done dishes, we both serve, we've both been bossers, we've both, every cleanup, you know, kids puking on the floor, whatever it took, we, we did it. Uh, but, you know, now with uh, approaching 600 employees now, team members, uh, between all the restaurants plus the brewery, and then by the end of the year, close to 800 when the fourth restaurant opens, um, you know, I take it more as a, this is, my job is to support them, not them to, make my wife and I who we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. We have to make that upside down pyramid, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's absolutely. The pyramid absolutely flips. And I think that's an important thing to, to remember and uh, something something I'll never forget for sure. Well let's talk about some of the beers. I mean we kinda touched on them a little bit, but let's let's talk about some of your, your core beers. What's your, your flagship? Sure. Uh, so we started with uh, three flagship beers. That's now grown to five. Uh, but Bikini Blonde Lager, that's our number one seller. It's also on Hawaiian Airlines. So if you fly Hawaiian to Maui, uh, you can drink Bikini Blonde all the way to Hawaii. second you get on that plane. Or at least once it reaches cruising altitude. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You're, you're in Hawaii. Once you hear that ding, it means, you know, Bikini Blonde. Seatbelts off. Order a beer. Exactly. So uh, Bikini Blondes are Hellas. Uh, so it's 5.2% ABV, uh, about 18 IBU, just a very crisp, uh, refreshing lager to drink. Uh, we also have our Big Swell IPA. You know, IPAs are almost half, actually a little over half the, the yeah, craft beer market I hear today. craft beer fans like IPAs. Yeah, something about hops I've heard. Yeah, so, I'm not sure. You yeah, know, I, I really know. love... It's weird. Really. <laughs> it's weird, I know. <laughs> we drank a lot of uh, IPA last night, but the Big Swell, uh, you know, I like to think of the Big Swell you're drinking now as Big Swell 2.0. Uh, Kim, who's our brewmaster, uh, was with us from 2008 to 2012. Uh, just absorbed everything you could teach her about beer and uh, largely self-taught in that in that area as well but then moved to a brewery in San Diego that then later sold out to Miller Coors uh, she called me up she says hey I want to come home so she's our brewmaster now and she retweaked uh, Big Swell and so she's really done a lot of changes with the dry hopping and, and the overall recipe but Big Swell 2.0 is tasting fantastic uh, about 6.8% 80 IBU uh, really big on the mosaic dry hop there 
we have our coconut Heva Porter. Again, the first coconut beer ever produced, uh, going back to 2005 for us. That's cool. And that was inspired by the coconut candy. So if you ever dri- get to Maui, you're going to do the drive to Hana. And the road to Hana, there's these little like shops along the way, little like kind of huts almost. Yeah. And there's this lady, this old lady who does these uh, chips of coconut candy. It's a shaved coconut with a little cane sugar. She does some with chocolate and roasts them really low and slow. That candy was the inspiration for Coconut Porter, and uh, such a fantastic beer. We still brew it very much the same way we did before. We're hand-toasting the coconut at the brewery. Uh, we toast 10 to 12,000 pounds a quarter, uh, so no extracts. That's really important to us, so we don't use fake flavors or even, quote, natural flavoring. Womp, right? <laughs> uh, we actually take the coconut chips, and those go to all the farmers, the, the hogs, will literally push the human food out of the way to get to the coconut chips because <laughs> they're soaked with beer. Nice. So they get, uh, to my wife's from Maine, so I say wicked wasted on, uh, <laughs> on coconut chips. Uh, well, that's funny. Such a great beer, though. Uh, you know, great with meat, great with chocolate, uh, and, and fantastic with ice cream, just a scoop of ice cream in it. Uh, and then the pineapple mono wheat. Also, the first brewery to brew with pineapple, uh, Maui Gold Pineapple is the, uh, the the sweetest, lowest acid. I think the best pineapple in the world. Uh, it makes it great for brewing. So we press it at the winery. We bring the juice down to the brewery, and we add it into the beer post fermentation. So it's an American wheat with Maui Gold Pineapple. That's cool. I love I love pineapple, and it just it's another one of those opportunities for folks to to have that resonate with their their psyche back to back to Hawaii and back to Maui so sure. I think, you know when we were looking at the menu earlier and like I said I ordered the uh, the imperial coconut porter but if I hadn't ordered that I definitely would have gotten the the pineapple wheat with the uh, with the pork that I got sure so. yeah when we first launched that beer it was uh, around 2009 the pineapple plantation had just shut down so we were like we just built this beer around the fruit and now we can't get it and it was just this like well where are we going to get the pineapple we had options of course but we were like well we're just not going to brew it unless we can use local pineapple Uh, fortunately a couple small farmers stepped in and started growing the pineapple again but uh, back then we called it mono wheat right and then below that had the description it was uh, American wheat brewed with pineapple and so when we launched it again, when we changed our branding, this is about almost two years ago now, two years and two years this month, um, you know, we, we changed the name to Pineapple Mono Wheat. And that was another thing, like, we always wanted to change it, but when Pete came in as a national sales manager, he's like, why doesn't this say pineapple on <laughs> letters? And I was like, well, you know, we've never changed the art and it costs so much to change the art and, we'll, you know, we'll just blah, blah, blah. But we did it and that brand, like, you know, three, four-fold sales overnight. Well, I say, but you could uh, quantitate that that money you got back pretty yeah. easily. True, but back in the day when we first started, you got to remember, 2005 was an entirely different beer world. 2010, 2012, entirely different beer worlds than we live in today. The average age of a brewery in this country, what would you say it is, Mark? Well, now at this point with us, it's two years. Two years? That'd be my guess, two You guys years. are really close. 3.4 years, right? We're 14 years old. Right, that makes us, you know, I mean, grizzled veterans. Yeah, right. <laughs> and how do you think that makes Ken Grossman feel? <laughs> right? right. I mean, yeah. he's the guy that started most of this, you know, and of course, New Albion and etc. McAuliffe. But, um, you know, so the average age being three point four years, you know, when we started, fruit beer wasn't a thing. Mm-mm. Like you almost had to like just make the beer and not tell people because people were like, I don't like fruit in my beer. <laughs> now it's like, what do you got in your beer? Because you can't just make beer. You got to put something <laughs> <Yeah>. in it. <laughs> you know. That's yeah, crazy. We opened in two thousand and five as well. Or, or and uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the tap. 
one of those old tap lists, and now it's like yeah. the world's different. We're going to take a quick break and bring you more of our interview with Maui Brewing coming up right after this. From the Cremation Society of Minnesota Weather Center. Mostly clear tonight and pleasant, a low in the mid-60s. A sunny forecast for tomorrow, high in the low 80s, around 90 with more sun and humidity Sunday. I'm meteorologist Mace Michaels on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130. When new episodes are posted, you can follow the Minnesota BeerCast channel. Just open up your iHeartRadio app, open up the uh, podcast tab, search for Minnesota BeerCast, and you will find a channel with all of our archived episodes, anything you might have missed in there, and follow it. You'll get notifications every time we uh, put up a new episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Freehouse of Beer for sponsoring the Minnesota BeerCast. More with Maui Brewing right here on Twin Cities News Talk. Yeah, we you know we talk every once in a while about the, the fruit in the beer kind of a conversation. Did, do you have you know guys who will roll up to the to one of the pubs and and object to to a pineapple wheat just based on their <laughs> absolutely yeah we, uh, we we had a couple last night at our tasting we did a great tasting at Certix and uh you know and ended up having this great crew through over the three hours we were tasting beer which went like in a blink of an eye uh but we had a couple they're like ah I don't. We we have the I don't do dark beer. Loved porter. I don't. I hate coconut. Loved coconut porter. And right. we had the I hate fruit in my beer. I was like, well, then try this and give them a pineapple mono wheat. And they're like, this is fantastic. You know. So it was. It was just. You know. I I go back to when we first launched cans and nobody was in cans. We were the tenth brewery to put beer in cans. It was basically like Dale at Oscar Blues, right. myself, Jimmy at Caldera, a handful of others and people wouldn't drink the beer out of a can. So 90% of my job selling beer in 2007 was, here's why a can is better, not what's the liquid, Yeah. here's yeah. why a can is better. And so I used to be like, okay, no problem, when I would bartend at the restaurant, we'd only have cans of a certain beer because we ran out of draft or whatever. I'd be like, oh, okay, no worries, let me go pour you a pint. And I'd pour a 12 ounce, <laughs> <laughs> pour it into a glass, and I'd be like, oh, here you go. And I'm like, oh, that's fantastic, thank you. I was like, and then I'd put the can next to it and be like, that's that. There you go, you know? sucker. And it was just, <laughs> you know, and, and I think got maybe one time I got one guy who got pissed off and ended up having to buy that beer, but it was like, Every other time, it was like, oh, I get it. It's not the vessel, it's the liquid. Right. Converting people to can, 12 ounces at a time. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we used to, I, I remember selling beer based on the fact that they could fit twice as many cans in the cooler as they could long neck Coronas. Yeah. And I'm selling craft beer against Corona, right? And they're like, oh. And then I remember one time a bartender dropped a bottle and it broke. I was like, that wouldn't happen with a can. <laughs> it was just being there at the opportunity. Like, okay, we'll try it. And that was what helped give, I mean, any canning brewery pre, I'd say 2012 knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like having to convince why it's in a can. Now it's, now the, the script has flipped a little bit. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. just about all, all can at this point. Being Every brewery who swore cans right. are bad for beer I'll never, never do, do it. it. Never do it. They're in cans. That's right. <laughs> well, and some, t- some of the things they're putting in cans now like is even like, I, but I don't, okay. There's like wines and sparkling wines yeah. in cans. I'm not sure I need it. Uh, uh, you know, we have a local brewery that does a rum, eight barrel aged beer in, in a can. I'm yeah. just not sure I need to drink that while I'm camping. <laughs> and you're going to enjoy or, the pool. I, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not sure. I, yeah. I don't know if I need to go down that road <laughs> totally, in the totally. afternoon while yeah. mowing Wouldn't my lawn. Wouldn't that some of our age shows through <laughs> because we put Imperial Coconut Porter into 750 ml bottles. Yeah. Right? So that's, you know, I've, I've, I've argued that we could do large cans of it, but then, you know, it's just 
because we are a canning brewery. Yeah. But it's, uh, it, it's it does make it much easier for shotgunning. I will tell you. I that. would do really need a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. Just, you and you're drinking a 9.4 alcohol, <laughs> yeah. 9.4 percent ABV beer. Like, you don't know are you shotgunning that. You know, when you're dared. You know. Yeah, but I'm, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm doing a disservice to the poor no, individual. To be 26, right? Oh. Exactly. <laughs> so the, the canning revolution you guys really kind of helped spearhead, was that uh, another one of those fiscal decisions I'm assuming has to do with a lot of the, the shipping weight and stuff from the island? Sure. Uh, you know, it didn't start as fiscal. Um, what it ended up being is we, we, much like Dale, we saw an ad for craft beer and cans from cask brewing systems up in Canada and we're like, you have a beer in cans? That's okay. That's interesting. And we're like, but you know, we're looking at importing bottles and labels and all this stuff. And then come to find out there's actually a ball plant in Hawaii. Oh, wow. So on Oahu in Kapolei, there's a, a plant making cans. When we learned that, and then we got deeper into the why cans, we were sold. I mean, it took us all of a, no, don't worry about it, all of a couple of minutes to decide, well, we got to do cans because they're made an island over. Yeah. How can we, as a local craft brewer, ask people to support local manufacturing and buying local beer if we're importing glass instead of buying their cans? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Do lead, right? And the design of it is very, well, not very different, but the lip on the yeah. can and everything is a, is a bit different. It is, yeah. You know Hawaii. it's a Hawaii can because at the top there's ridges. It's about an eighth of an inch wide on the top so the end as they call it uh, is a 206 versus a 202 that you get on the mainland uh, so once we learned that there was a plant there we started talking with them and that's in cans and then it was then it was beaches where you can drink beer mm -hmm. right certainly you know, a lot of beaches you can't but most I'd say most beaches on Maui you can drink Depends beer. on how sneaky you are right? exactly no, <laughs> beer, our, our cans don't exactly look like beer so it's good you certainly can't bring glass but glass you absolutely cannot whether it's yeah. water or beer then you look looked at the shipping weights and if you look at a you know everything in Hawaii shipping in and out is a 40-foot container or 20-foot container some evolution of that so a 40-foot container you can ship as much as you can pack into that container up to a certain weight well you hit that max weight at around 1200 cases of beer in glass bottles yeah way earlier in cans, you can do 2,000 cases. Oh, so you're talking 800 more cases of beer yeah. in that container, lowering your carbon footprint by, you know, what, 40%? So you're, you're talking about a significant reduction in the sustainability and also your unit price that you can deliver at a competitive price. Back in those days when shipping containers cost half what they do now, we could actually sell beer in California at a lower price and maintain our margins than we could in Hawaii because the taxes in Hawaii were so much higher. Oh. So in California, the taxes literally covered, or the shipping plus taxes in California were less than just the taxes in Hawaii. Oh Sad. man, that's brutal. Isn't that crazy? That's brutal. Because that, we could fit so much in that load, it just made sense. Yeah. yeah. yeah has, that, has that tax situation in Hawaii changed at all with, I mean, you guys being such parts of the, the local economy, or is that that's tax kind of still stayed the same? Tax is still where it is. We're still fighting <laughs> that fight. You know, we were, uh, I work, uh, I'd say I serve on the board of directors for the Brewers Association, uh -huh. which is the national trade guild that most craft breweries are members of. Um, but uh, we were successful at the federal level with that uh, FET reset recently. Um, but at the state level, we've been unsuccessful so far. Uh, you know, Hawaii's economy is precarious and right. so we respect that but you know we also see that when I started there were six breweries that went down to three now there's 18 yeah so obviously we're growing 
I, I would I would push to the Hawaii legislators that may or may not hear this. I uh, hope they do that by supporting the local brewers and you know kind of giving us some relief to reinvest in our companies further. They would see a net increase in tax revenues, but allowing us to brew more beer. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what it is. So, were you guys? I guess we've talked a little about the beer, but Mark mentioned before the show. Are you guys getting into spirits as well? We are, yeah. Thank you for that, Mark, as well. Um, you know, I, I think uh, one of my good friends, uh, Yousef, uh, used to be with Ballast Point, of course, now Cutwater. Um, you know, he says that uh, whiskey is what beer wants to be when it grows up. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I heard him say that, I was like, that's so true. Because, <laughs> I mean, how many of us that drink beer, like when we're done drinking beer, what whiskey you got? Right. <laughs> you know, so it just makes sense, and it's uh, you know it's a partnership we've done with Maui County. Uh, you know we've a very supportive uh, mayor uh, Alan Arkawa in Maui, as well as the Office of Economic Development. So we qualified for a grant program that helped us. You know we had to do a matching spend, uh, which we leveraged like three to one. Uh, but we they gave us a grant to be able to buy the still, and then we invested in all the rest of the equipment and infrastructure. Uh, but we'll be launching whiskey and gin uh, later this summer. Obviously, whiskey has to lay down. Right. So part of our plan for that is we have, a, as part of Maui Brewing, we have our natural soda line. So we're going to be integrating our white whiskey into our ginger beer and making a canned mule under our spirits program. Uh, that way we have a, an avenue to release that white whiskey while we lay down the rest of it. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, that's that's one of the challenges I hear from newer distillers is, yeah. you know, putting out those those clear liquids before the, the stuff that's brown is is really ready right sure one last break one last segment of the minnesota beer cast coming up right after this stephanie ship from blue plate restaurants is here hey rosie hey what a great time of year yeah we jumped straight into summer which for you means patio season time to grab some friends family or your favorite four-legged pal and head to the patio at the freehouse yeah try the steak and pierogies or a roto bird baguette and sip on some freehouse beer or some frozen rosé Stephanie Ship here with my friend Rosie for all the Blue Plate restaurants. You know, that felt a little backwards. Well, kind of like this spring weather. We're ready for patio season. Yeah, sipping a freehouse beer on the best patio in the North Loop before a ball game. Or riding your bike to our large patio at Longfellow Grill. Or dining al fresco at Three Squares, the Lowry, or Mercury Dining Room at Rail. So once spring finally arrives, we have a patio seat waiting for you and plenty of food and drinks, too. I can't wait. The Blue Plate Restaurant Company, online at blueplateco.com. Put a line, and then I mean, you got stuff like pineapple that you can you can Infuse. tap, right? Yeah, sure. for sure. I can imagine about a million drinks you could make with some <laughs> pineapple and vodka, or pineapple or and gin. Or just gin and tonic on right? the beach it doesn't yeah. sound that bad to me. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we all love That's beer, but especially all love a cocktail too. You know. I mean, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it ju- it just makes sense, and you know, and and think about it from a brewery standpoint. To be a distillery. You've got to be a brewery yep. and then distill. Yep. So if we're already a brewery and we have our boilers, our chillers, our fermentation, our you know our malt storage, all of these things, why not add a, a few components to that that um, you know blockchain, if you will, of equipment and be able to then distill that liquid? For sure, that makes a lot of sense. Do you think that uh, more and more craft brewers are going to think along those lines? You're not the first brewer that I've talked to who's 
in love with with spirits and exploring definitely that that side of, of sure. the business. I, I absolutely think we'll see more and more of it. Uh, you know, I I had to write a bill uh, with the support of our legislators in Hawaii, in Maui specifically, Senator Baker, Representative McKelvey, uh, to be able to propose this bill and co-sponsor it um, on both the House and Senate side uh, in 2013. So I wrote the bill that allowed a new class of license to be created, which would allow you, under that license, you could brew, make wine, or distill, or and distill, I should say, as long as you had all the federal, the corresponding federal permits. Mm -hmm. So now, that, that didn't exist before in Hawaii. When you had your license, you could either make beer right. or make spirits. And, and when you make spirits, you have to tell them what spirits you're going to make. If you want to make vodka, or I want to make rum. And if you want to make another one of that, you have to go back in for licensing. Oh, well. then, uh, or you can make wine. Now you can make all of those under the same license. Uh, also self-distribute those, sell them at retail, and um, you know have a, have a restaurant. How big a challenge was that, getting that legislation moved forward? I know here in Minnesota, I think there's probably a few um, roadblocks to, to brewers being able to, to really take advantage of, of that, I guess, place in the market. But mm -hmm. did, you, did you receive a lot of pushback? No, you know, I honestly, I was uh, shocked that that bill went through in its first year. Uh, unanimously supported. Uh, we had no nobody, you know, saying opposing the bill. Um, I think ultimately, if there's one thing about Hawaii, is that they get is that what if it, it why is it good for the economy if you can prove why it's good for the economy then of course we're going to support that so i have to give it to the legislators there as slow as slow as they are to move and, and take action on some things uh they understand that our economy can't be so based in tourism and military we have to have manufacturing come back as a component for the economy and you know we've proven that when I walk in there, I've been there. I've been going to Congress for 14 years at the state level now, and every time I walk in, it's about how can we improve this industry. And they didn't have the industry before we got there. Right. So I think I have a little bit of credibility when I go in to be able to say, here's what we've done, here's what we want to do. So when I say that, they know I'm going to do that. Because if I give a commitment, they know it's going to happen. And I and and seeing that it's now grown not just from us but the other. 13 new breweries, I think four, maybe five new distilleries, you know, that, and then we have now, I think, two, three new cideries that we didn't even have a cidery two years ago, three years ago. So, you know, seeing that now, they look at us as a beverage industry. Yeah. They actually said that. This was the first Congress I heard them say that. Um, well, that must have felt good. It felt, it felt <laughs> like it's not just me anymore because there were eight other brewers sitting behind me and cider makers and standing in that room. They're like, oh, we have Hawaii's brewers here today, one senator says. First time it's done, been done in 14 years, and it was just like, you see the chills, you know. And they they literally moved our bill up to the first hearing because one guy's brew house had just you know crapped out, and he had to go fix it, and I had to get back for our restaurant opening, and because we all have to fly in, you know, to go to Congress. Um, for them to say we have Hawaii's brewers here with us today, and they have some business they got to get to, and you know we appreciate the work they do, and we're going to hear their bill first. That I just awesome. I couldn't. That's fantastic. I, I couldn't have wow. imagined that even two years ago. So. No, that's neat. You know, a lot of the conversation we've had today has kind of been around, you know, not only the the beer and the spirits, but also about kind of the the smart business decisions you've made. And you were actually recognized in 2017 uh, by the uh, Small Business Person of the Year. Is that the award you got? Yeah, it was the uh, my wife and I because uh, she's she's a she's the other half of the craziness of this business. Um, 
Melanie and I were recognized as the 2017 uh, Small Business Persons of the Year by the the U.S. Uh, Small Business Administration. So that's kind of neat. Quite an honor. Yeah. 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 Cheers. Congrats. <laughs> what what kind of how do you get even nominated for that? How does that process work? So the uh, so you usually have a nominator that's you know one of your bank or a vendor or even a member of the community who just you know sees what you're doing in your local community. Uh, they nominate you through the SBA's program. Uh, and then you compete at the state level, uh, state and local. So in Hawaii, since we have the different counties or islands, each island has its own. Then you move up to the state awards, and then the state winners then compete nationally. And out of all the national winners, the uh, SBA itself at the at the top level kind of go through with a series of judges and determine who is the the winner of the nation. Uh, and we were the only, the award's been around for I think a little over 30 years. Mm-hmm. This was the third time uh, that Hawaii has won the award. So. Uh, we were proud to not only bring the award home for our team, because like I said, they're the ones doing the hardest of the work, um, but also for the state of Hawaii, because again, I, I think I mentioned earlier that you know often it's easy to forget that Hawaii is a state, and we actually create things, and we, we, we're not just a cool place to vacation, but we're our mem- we are one of the 50 states that make up this union. Um, so that was, it was an honor to, to, to do That's that cool. as well. Yeah. Right. On. We are just about out of time. Um, before we do leave, I've been uh, drinking this Imperial Coconut Porter the entire time. Yeah. And I know you have a version that's aged in rum barrels. Is that correct? Aye, the Black Pearl. When, oh, <laughs> when, <aye. laughs> when, when does that? When are we gonna see that? Yeah. So uh, next year, uh, we normally Black Pearl was. Uh, our, our restaurant space in Kihei was our barrel aging space, uh, so we had to move, and now the new expansion, we actually have dedicated barrel storage. So you'll start seeing a lot more uh, barrel aged releases from us again uh, in the 750 ml format. So I'm hoping that next year we'll be able to release, and our top markets are the ones that always get the barrel aged releases because they're they're highly allocated. And I got you guys, it. I got it. Minnesota's, <laughs> Minnesota's number it. two. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be like Hawaii, California, Minnesota, I mean, and that's that that to me is amazing. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of that, uh, and that's a credit to you guys here, and Mark and Mike mm-hmm. and Artists and Beverages. So well, thank maybe you. we could have you or Pete back for a beer dinner, absolutely, with, uh, featuring that or something. So keep it in mind. I would yeah, love that. absolutely. Next time you're back in town, let us know. We'd love to have you back on the show. Why don't you, uh, in closing, let folks know where they can find Maui Brewing uh, on the internet and oh, social media and whatnot? So on MauiBrewingCompany.com or MauiBrewing.com is the easier one, and then at Maui Brewing Co. Uh, is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then I think Mark can probably speak to the best places to get our beer here, obviously. The Hairbrain Gnome. No, honestly, uh, there's already a little bit of uh, word going around town that you guys might be at the State Fair. Oh, really? That could be very cool. I I don't know of a certain spot yet, but there's been rumblings. Um, Honestly, Emily and Scott and the whole team here have always been very nice to me. They have a very great range uh the the funnest part about the brand actually has been feathering in those kegs and they move so fast so um in the saint paul area i can almost guarantee you you'll see pineapple on tap Mm -hmm. um we're starting to get in more of those other styles and everything but that's been such a cool layup um yeah, I've seen but, most liquor stores. Yeah, yeah. The, the liquor stores, If whether it's some of the big guys that have come into town or else your uh, privately owned businesses uh, that I'm always a big fan of, 
they're they have it. And you guys do have a, uh, a very well functioning find our beer spot on yeah. the website. So uh, I do always recommend you know please use the find our beer, but I, I recommend calling the store. Uh, and if they say they don't have it, just tell them, hey, can you re up a case for Order me? It up. Yeah, and that way you, that way they have it. You know, I'd hate, them to, I'd hate them to drive, you know, somewhere and then they say, oh, it's not there. But that's that works. That program works on like a thirty day buy thing. Yeah. So if it's out of stock, it doesn't show them. Uh, so then they can just re up. And, and obviously, if they can get it in the state, your favorite liquor store is the place I'd recommend going and saying, hey, bring I me some it. Maui. Brand. <laughs> there yeah. you go. There you have it. On vacation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me and aloha. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the Minnesota BeerCast. Thanks to Schmitty for doing that interview. Thanks to the folks from Maui Brewing for joining us. We will be back with a brand new episode next week. Got some segments that I recorded while I was on vacation with some cool breweries or cideries out there in outstate Minnesota or maybe even a touch into Wisconsin. So stick around. Don't miss the Minnesota BeerCast. And thanks to Freehouse Beer for sponsoring the show. We'll be back next week. Cheers. Whiskey's too rough, champagne costs too